For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? Good, good, Sam. How are you doing out there? I'm doing all right. You know, it's uh, it's been an interesting week uh, since, since we last came on the pod. Uh, last Sunday when we were breaking things down uh, for UCLA, uh, we were just talking all about how great the uh, the men's basketball team was on their way, looking like a championship team again. Uh, just beat Arizona, swept the, the Bay Area schools, six-game winning streak. Defense was humming. Everything was great. And uh, not as great of a week this week. <laughs> the road trip down to the Arizona schools started with a loss to Arizona on Thursday uh, and then a massive upset to Arizona State on Saturday that went to three overtimes. So we will break all of that down. Uh, I mean, it wasn't all negative uh, stuff for for this past week for UCLA. I mean, uh, gymnastics looked pretty good on Friday. Uh, Jordan Childs, an Olympian, uh, she she went viral for her floor team. Perfect ten, good for her. But uh, today we're we're pretty much just going to be focusing on on uh, the kind of debacle that was UCLA men's basketball these past few games. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, if you're interested in any more uh, UCLA podcasts, UCLA content. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, share, get around, keep listening. We appreciate you guys. And uh, let's just get started with, uh, I don't know, Travis, what, what game do you want to start with first? Which game between the Arizona game on Thursday, which was close and didn't look like it would be close, but then became close and then separated down the stretch? Or is the Arizona State upset just kind of like getting your blood boiling a little, a, a little bit more? What, what's making you feel more things? <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely the Arizona State loss was just a, oh, it's one of those, oh, games, you know, where you just yeah. feel just like, oh, my God, they're about to lose to Arizona State, who was like 6 and 15 or whatever, you know, 6 and 13, whatever they were. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like, 
We should start with the bigger game just because it was a battle of two top 10 teams out of respect for UCLA and Arizona being top 10. We'll start there. Um, All right. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) Yeah, we'll start with Arizona. And and like I said, I had a feeling that they were probably going to lose in Arizona. I felt Arizona was kind of embarrassed the last game uh, they played against UCLA. And uh, I felt like they were, you know, like physically dominated at at Poly. And I think, you know, I knew that they was going to bring a greater effort. The funny thing is, like, I still don't think that they played particularly well. I thought the others played well for Arizona, uh, like uh, Vamo Cleese's son, you know, Cleese Kerr. I mean, he didn't go zero points this time. He had, like, 12, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, like, the others were doing well because UCLA held uh, – they held, the, you know, Arizona's best player to about – was it 14, something like that? It wasn't – he didn't dominate the game. Um, I felt like UCLA, I mean, UCLA, they were in it. They played well. I, I, I just feel like in order for UCLA, and I've been thinking about this for both games, for UCLA to get back to the final four, possibly win a championship. And the teams are going to have to beat in these elite eight, sweet 16, final four games, your Auburns, your Dukes, uh, your Kentuckys, uh, your, your, you know, you know, Baylor's Kansas is that those type. You got to have some kind of inside presence. And right now, UCLA is struggling with the inside. Like, I don't get me wrong. I think that Riley's fine, but I just don't think right now he's, I don't know. It just feels like he's off a step. You know, he's, he, he can't finish around the basket. He gets a shot blocked a lot. And he gets a shot blocked a lot by like smaller guys. You know, he, he only goes left. Like, I think if they was like, okay, uh, put put your left hand behind your behind your back, and he, I think he would still try to shoot it with his shoulder with his left. Um, <laughs> I, for me, sometimes I feel like he plays like a senior. I mean, a freshman than a senior. It just it just really weird. And I also feel that Coach Cronin. We'll get into this after the, for the next game uh, mm-hmm. more, but I feel like he he doesn't use his bench enough. You know, like he rises five guys. 35 minutes each, you know, like, you know, maybe not Riley, but like the other four guys, I feel like towards the end of the game, they're always exhausted because they didn't play 30 minutes, 35 minutes. He doesn't really rotate Perry Watson in and all these other guys that got off the bench who can, I think you contribute, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just that Arizona game uh, where they, they went down early, they're down 12 at half. Uh, and then they started to battle back. They were looking all right. Uh, they weren't playing their best, but I think they made it a, what, a two point game, a three point game. Yeah. Yeah. Two yeah, minutes yeah. to go or something like that. Three minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But really then you look, Jules Bernard, 36 minutes. Jaime, 35 minutes. Tiger Campbell, 34 minutes. Uh, Johnny Juzang, only 29. Um, but uh, I mean, you look at the next game and he played a ton, maybe not rightfully so, depending <laughs> on, on uh, where you're coming from. But yeah. That's a lot of minutes from your top three, your top four guys. Um, and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, you said, it's mm-hmm, not always mm-hmm. a recipe for success. Uh, I want to hit on that Cody Riley thing a little bit. P- pretty much since, I don't know, maybe midway through last year until last week. Cody Riley's deep mid-range jumper, automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the numbers, but it feels like he was shooting it at like 70%. It was ridiculous. He was in it pretty much every time he took it. 
these past two games, he was like airballing front rim, just like, and, and maybe that goes back to the playing too many minutes. So he's got his, his legs are shot or something. He can't get those deep mid range jumpers, but uh, whatever it is, he's got to fix that because that was a big weapon for UCLA help with spacing, help with kind of making the offense a little more dynamic. And it was just a complete non-factor these past two games. Uh, and then in the post, like you're talking about, I, I think Cody Riley's pump fake might be the least effective move I've ever seen on the basketball court. It's like, <laughs> and it, it's, it's not like it looks bad, but for some reason, every time he goes up for a pump fake, the shot that follows gets blocked every single time. It's the, it's mm-hmm. literally the inverse of Jaime because Jaime He'll go up and he'll pump fake. His I bet you his shooting percentage after a pump fake is like 80%. And like most of those are and ones. Cody, yeah. meanwhile, yeah. is a lot better when he just goes straight up. His pump fake yeah. does absolutely nothing because they come to double and his awareness is not on the level of someone like Jaime who can kind of mm-hmm. contort and mm-hmm. like power through something. Yeah. Cody's yeah. the strongest guy on the team. He's got the most muscle. He should be the best post player on offense. And for some reason, he's just not. It's kind of frustrating to watch it's hard to watch i think he can be better and maybe he will be better but uh especially the arizona game and then it popped up again against arizona state his post offense needs uh a lot of work yeah yeah and like i said i feel like i don't know like he if, have you ever seen a fifth year senior uh fall on the ground as much as cody rowdy falls on the ground for a big guy uh i don't know what it is Maybe his knees or his legs isn't strong enough, but you know, like he, 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 he uh, you know, like, like I don't know, like it's weird. Like he, he's just senior, you know, and not only a senior, he's a, a older senior, and sometimes I feel he gets blocked like a freshman. Like you know, the help is coming down once you pump fake, so you're gonna have to explode like like Jaime does, because Jaime when he pumps fake, he goes into the body. It's the foul or the layup. Um, he just goes up like he doesn't jump. And the small forward be coming in, beating it off the glass. And obviously against Arizona, who's super athletic, the big guys, they were throwing it out of bounds. Um, I don't know. Like I said, you know, I, I know uh, Cody has been with the team longer, but maybe you should bring uh, the backup center and start him. Because at least with him, he brings some explosiveness on defense and rebounding. And he may obviously can't shoot like, like Cody, but uh, you know, like when I saw him finish with a dunk, you know, I was like, okay. So a big man can dunk. Cause I'm <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> that dunk he had against Arizona state. He had miles Johnson had some, some really good moments against Arizona state and uh, still Cody Riley was playing most of the way through those three overtimes. He, he played. He played. Was it Cody? Cody played about thirty-five minutes. I mean, I think maybe thirty-seven. Let me see. Yeah, Cody, I, I Cody played that. thirty-nine minutes. Yes, yeah, so he almost uh, played forty minutes to to sixteen for Miles Johnson. Yeah, I just. Oh, I mean, you know, what is that? I, <laughs> Come on. I mean, like I said, 16, Cody had you ten. Play, you play a, a fifty-five minute game. And Miles Johnson's <laughs> only playing 16 minutes. Jeez. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, we'll get to more Arizona State. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. In a yeah. Bit, yeah. Oof, yeah. They, it's, it's they should not, be splitting time. Like I said, they should be splitting time. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you, you, go go into the year, you go into the year 
And Miles Johnson is a preseason, a member of the preseason watch list for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award, top center in the nation. Uh, I don't know how they they consider guys' positions. Maybe Cody was seen as a power forward instead of a center. So uh, maybe he was up for the Carl Malone Award, but he didn't make the preseason watch list. So whoever is voting on that, which is the, the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, uh, <laughs> they think that Miles Johnson is better than Cody Riley. <laughs> And obviously Mick Cronin's around these guys. He knows who's better and, and he knows his, his system and his lineups. And he, he probably has these ideas for who he wants out and when, but it gets to a point where like, yeah, but Cody's kind of been playing like garbage and Miles Johnson's <laughs> been giving a lot of good stuff. I'm not saying Cody Riley sucks. He's a good player. No. He was, he's, he's contributed a lot to this program through the last four seasons. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and he's an important part of this team. But mm-hmm. at times, you have to kind of divorce yourself from the decisions you've made in the past and say, okay, it doesn't matter what I, what I said two weeks ago or, or what I penciled into the lineup back in November. This is what's better for us right now. And I think Miles Johnson would be better served, better, better served the team if he was playing more minutes. No, I, look, I agree with you 100%. I feel like maybe Cody gives you more energy if he plays just 20 instead of 40. Uh, or 35 a game. I just, to me, Miles Johnson is, he de- he's deserving of more minutes. And even, uh, you know, the freshman, I feel like he needs more minutes too. You know, just because like, you, what can you do? What can you really do in four minutes? I mean, yeah, unless he, you he come played in. seven against Arizona and then he played three, four against Arizona State and didn't and play I, at all in the overtime until there was literally less than two seconds left. And that's what I'm saying. I just feel like, how many mistakes can he make? I mean, if he, okay, he comes in, missing an assignment, and then you snatch him, I'm like, he'll never gain confidence. I mean, you know, I don't know. I feel like, you know, sometimes I feel like Nick Cronin is great. Sometimes I feel like he's forcing the freshman to stay next year. <laughs> he's, not yeah. any, he's not giving him any time. Like, yeah, no, I'm going to. Which is so weird because after after last week where he really shined, like he had the block against Arizona and he, he was really playing great. And yeah, I get it if he's not like playing up to some of the other guys you want to pull him off. But I mean, these other guys are getting worse. <laughs> is it because they're playing more? Is it because the guys are scouting them better? Whatever. But you have to throw in a wild card. Peyton Watson was supposed to be that guy. Miles Johnson was supposed to be that other guy said, oh, yeah, we bring back everyone from the Final Four team and add two guys. And they're really just running with the same group from last year <laughs> with like he just, he, a couple minutes is, of bench support. He doesn't play the bench at all. Now, uh, the guard who was still in protocol, I didn't realize protocol was that long, concussion protocol. They missed yeah, him. Yeah, Jalen Clark. Yeah. They missed They missed Jalen Clark. Um, I mean, I was like, dang, how long was his? I mean, he's out. It's like the last. Yeah, at this point, because he he had a concussion in the preseason that he got uh, right before the the preseason exhibition game. So he missed that. Uh, And then he comes back, plays the actual season opener and he's fine, plays and everything. Then uh, earlier in January, he had a he he missed a game because he was sick, not because of COVID. Uh, And then comes back for one game. And then after that. Uh, he gets hit in the face in practice the the day before the Arizona game, and he's been out since. So yeah, it's, said he's missed. maybe it's a second a, concussion, maybe something a little more serious going on. We don't really know, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's not great when one of the few guys coming off the bench that Mick Cronin trusts isn't there. 
And the fact, like I said, he was needed, needed against, you know, Arizona and Arizona State. Uh, I felt both. If he would have played, he probably would have won. That's how good of a defender he is. And just like I think they could have won. But um, that's neither here nor there. I just felt, like I said, Arizona, if you notice what they did, uh, they went at Jaime with the with their post player, their left-handed post player. I can't think of his name. Um, they yeah, went was at it, him. Uh, was it uh, Tubalus? The, yeah, he, yeah. He started really hot. Didn't end up playing too much, but uh, yeah, he was he was six and nine, fourteen points. Yeah, yeah. So I said he went. I mean, if you notice, he probably had eight of them or ten of them in the first five minutes of the game because it was just like throw it in, throw it. In. We're trying to establish them. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and like I said, I, he didn't finish the game great, but I still feel. I still, the funny thing is, I still feel that UCLA is the better team, even though Arizona won. I think if UCLA is at full strength. I, I said he still beat Arizona in a neutral site. That's, that's why I feel like UCLA still can get back into the top 10, um, back into, you know, like maybe not number one, uh, you know, seed, but at least a two seed. If they go went out, they have to win out and they have to beat Arizona and Oregon in the Pac-12 tournament. That's the only – otherwise they're going to be a three or maybe a four. You know, they're not going to give you any favors in the tournament. Yeah, you know. I, I think that the one seed's pretty much out the window, and it's kind of yeah. weird. This is feeling very similar to the uh, to last to the year, Lonzo, right? No, I feel it like to the to the Lonzo Ball year, where they uh, upset Kentucky and, and you get that big win over number one, and they were number two. Were they number one for one week or something? Yeah, they, it was one whatever, for one yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, and then they go into the tournament and they end up being a three seed. I'm like, oh, what? Shouldn't they? Have been, <laughs> weren't, weren't they better? Weren't they better than that? Or weren't they numbered? Yeah, they, no, that was the craziest. Yeah, and right now at sixteen and four, all four of their losses have come when they're ranked in the top three. So when they're when <laughs> this current UCLA team is a top three team, they they lose. <laughs> when they're not a top yeah. three team, they win. <laughs> I mean, they've obviously Put them at won five top thirteen as a top three team too. But yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, so some uh, closing thoughts on the Arizona game. Um, Arizona, once again, uh, really good rebounding the ball and, uh, beat you on the boards. Uh, I mean, yeah, Cody actually rebounded pretty well for the first time since he came back from his injury, eight boards. And then, uh, your your three wings, they each get six, but then, uh, Dale and Terry, he gets nine. Uh, Pell Larson gets eight. Benedict Mathurin, he gets seven. Uh, I, I really want to, uh, I think the deciding guys, the, the deciding factors, even though, uh, they didn't score a ton where uh, Christian Coloco, who, who's great yeah. athlete, high flyer, only six points. Uh, and Umar Bala, who I don't think played enough in, in that last game against UCLA, the, the Tuesday one, uh, he only had four points. So 10 points out of two of them, but it's really uh, Coloco had five rebounds. Balo had eight, four of those were offensive uh, and, and three of Coloco's were offensive. And then they mm-hmm. combined for seven blocks. So yeah, those no, they, two, it was, a lot know, of those, six of those were probably on Cody Riley's. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. And, and what we talked about going into the first Arizona game was you got to hold them to under 80. You can beat them mm-hmm. if they score less than 80. They're undefeated if they do better, anything better than that. They scored 76. So uh, your defense, Mick Cronin, and, and we'll get to this in the Arizona State game too, uh, <laughs> but he's talking about how like oh they got to go back to the drawing board with the defense like yeah I mean it could be better but I mean your offense 
is just not playing well. How I, is he just saying the wrong thing, or is he totally misdiagnosing the this the the real issue with this team, which is the offense that is totally stagnant and, and just not going well at all? Tiger Campbell in the Arizona game was four of fourteen. Uh, Juzang mm-hmm. was six of fifteen. Cody was three of ten. Uh, Jules Bernard six of fifteen. Yeah, Jaime shot fifty percent, and Singleton shot fifty percent, and Miles Johnson hit the one shot he took. But if all of the guys who who are your volume scorers and, and your your most reliable scorers are shooting like thirty percent from the field, they're either taking bad shots or the offense just needs to be flipped on its head because that that really is what stood out in the Arizona game. And then especially oh, later God, in the yes. state game, they just, yeah, yeah. for some reason right now, they can't hit shots. That's what needs to be addressed. No, I would tell you this, and this is, you are hundred percent, right. I would say this about the Arizona, but like to say Arizona, right. Our team, UCLA team is a great team, right. We're the definition of a team, right. We don't have, even though Johnny's a great player, like he's not, a top 15 pick kind of guy, right? He's not that. He's a great player, but he's not a top 15 pick. Neither is Jaime. But the thing is, our offense is built like as if Jaime and Johnny Juice, you know, Johnny is like that. They're these super creative guys that can just beat anybody off the dribble and score. Like, I think uh, once Johnny has it going, He's, you know, he's, you know, good off the dribble a little bit, but and same with Jaime, but I think that they're not those kind of guys. I mean, um, you know, like, you know, like I said, and like, it's easy to defend, like, oh, we're going to do clear outs one-on-one. Like that's not, in, in college, especially that doesn't work. Teams are going to sit. And then if, if you say that, cause you said it doesn't really rebound that well, as far as offensively, they're not really a great crash in offensive rebound the team so it's like you're, it's a feast of family shot if 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 johnny hits the shot great if he doesn't they you know you're running back because it's a feast of family like this this one-on-one thing that's not johnny's game he's not going to be that kind of player you know like even when in college he's not that kind of player i think he's a rhythm guy off screens you know coming off screens and then you know maybe pulling up one dribble like easy they did a motion type of offense where everybody's touching it this whole we're gonna go one on one from the top with Tiger, Jaime, and Johnny just that ain't working, man. That's yeah, not gonna beat a great team. That that especially well, the thing is, it's not gonna beat a bad team either because that's what happened against Arizona State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but but before we get to the Arizona State game, uh, one thing to wrap up on Arizona, uh, obviously making a lot of headlines after the game was uh, Mac Etienne. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. leaving the court. And it happened a little bit at halftime too. Uh, not there was a little bit of fuzzy video from from halftime, but then after the game, he's yelling at fans. Fans are yelling at him, and uh, he spits at, at a group of fans twice. Uh, gets uh, pulled off uh, down the tunnel by uh, someone on the the UCLA staff. Uh, he's arrested and cited. He, he was never detained, um, but there there were charges. The the person who was spat at was looking to press charges. And uh, that definitely caused a, a bit of a stir. And I, I don't know, For, from my perspective, I, and this is not a defense of, of what Mac did, because uh, anyone who, who hears what comes after or has seen some of my tweets and articles and stuff will be like, oh, you're just defending him. How, how could you defend something so stupid? 
It's like, no, 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 I'm not. The, it's not people like inflate things or, or like, don't look at the context, but I'm, I'm just trying to give a, a, a bit of a explanation, not excuse, but how, how did this mm-hmm. happen? Did Matt Kittian go into the uh, McHale center and say like, you know what? Uh, I'm not playing tonight. I'm hurt. What, what I'm going to do tonight. Uh, I'm going to spit on some people. <laughs> no, no, he didn't do it. Like, what, what is, it's not like a premeditate. No, of course not. So how does it get to that point? Well, he gets just trash talked and yelled at and cursed at. I mean, you heard the chains on, on ESPN throughout the whole game. Is it? Oh, F you Johnny. Uh, and did the same thing with tiger. And, and apparently uh, tiger Campbell's mom, uh, was was very upset in the stands at the game, according to some stuff on some some message boards and some pictures taken. So it was getting pretty explicit down there in Arizona. And um, whatever was said to to Mac Etienne sent him over the edge, and he did something he shouldn't have. But how does that happen? How does someone get sent over the edge? Well, someone says something they shouldn't have, uh, and that mm-hmm. that's that's my mm-hmm. two cents on it. it. It's not exclusive to Arizona, and for some reason, Arizona people think that any explanation like that is throwing all the blame on them. Like, no, no, this happens at UCLA games and, and guys lose their temper at UCLA fans. This happens in, in the Philadelphia 76ers games and Washington wizards games and Jacksonville Jaguars games and whatever. <laughs> and, and it happens because guys lose their cool against fans and, and, and uh, people from the other side who are yelling at them and cursing them out for, hours on end and this is the result <laughs> of that so i i guess Travis, from from your perspective as a former player where do you sit on this and and how things went down and how it happened well I, um yeah I, look do i condone anybody spitting on anybody no okay i'll be the first to tell you spitting on somebody is not the way to go okay um you know because that's kind of like the ultimate like disrespect you know, you know, for anybody like for me to spit on you, you know, you know I'm not a player. You're not, a, you know, you know, you're, we're on the same team and like me spit on you is that's just no, you don't do that. Right. Yeah. But as a person who uh, has seen, been there and seen the fans of Arizona, look, I would tell you a story where my dad was in the stands at the Arizona game. My freshman year, you said like we were playing Arizona. Uh, Toby Bailey's dad was in the stands, you know, with my dad sitting next to my dad in Arizona. And the fans was like, Toby Bailey, F you, Toby Bailey, you suck. F you, da 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 da. Right? Now, Mr. Bailey says, Yo, man, you know, that's my son, man. You know, like, chill out. You know what the fans said? I don't give a, I don't give a shit. Is that your son? You know, so Toby Bailey's dad is about to like knuckle up. <laughs> The witness fan, <laughs> you know, my dad had to kind of, you know, all right, all right, you know, kind of take it easy kind of thing, you know, and it, and let me tell you, the fan who said it was like a 67 year old man, an old boy, old man. And P- so pick, picking on a 19 year old kid. Yeah. And so like, it's not like it was a 20 year old kid. It was an old man. And so like, you know, I've went to, I was recruited by Arizona in high school. So I went to a scrimmage. Just an inner squad scrimmage. So one team against the other. It was sold out like they were playing a top 10 team. <laughs> you know, they, oh, they, they care down there. They care. They, they care. And so, like, <laughs> they have one of the greatest 
home field places in the country. And so I just feel like he was wrong for spitting on the face, yes. But the fans, they get really, really rowdy and a little disrespectful of it. Yeah, I, I think even in the time since, since you were playing there, I think mm-hmm. there a bunch of things that have changed. And, and this is just me kind of spitballing, but and again, non-specific to Arizona, a bit of a, a, a stoolification of the way that fans act uh, as a whole, where you say like the, the way that certain people online like to trash talk and how that's developed. And, and that, that wasn't a thing 20 plus years ago. And, mm-hmm. and now it, now it is. And people kind of hone their, their trash talk craft about how, how do I get under someone's skin the most? How do I get under this fan base's skin, this player's skin, this coach's skin. Uh, mm-hmm. And then w- they go to the games and they, they film these things. They, a lot of people go there wanting to incite something. Maybe not, they don't want to incite someone spitting on them, but they want to film it and they want to be like, Oh yeah, this player, he cursed me out. Like, Oh, uh, I got this reaction out of him. Look, mm-hmm. look at, I, I, I won. I win because I made him upset. Aren't I such a good fan, which is just <laughs> so hard to comprehend. And honestly, like, I was a, a, a stupid teenage kid growing up going to sports games and like, yeah, there are a lot of people who do that. And I, I get it. It doesn't make it okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you, you, the end result is this Mac Etienne situation, which no one wants really. And except exactly. for anyone who maybe wanted to make a headline or get their video spent, sent around on Twitter. So it's a messy situation. Nobody, nobody likes it. No one likes the end result. But it'd be a little naive just to look at what happened and not consider the the cause and just look at the effect. It's, it's a little short-sighted to do that. And I, I think Matt Etienne will, will get some sort of punishment from this and he'll learn from it and it'll be fine. He's not a horrible person because he, he had a, a bit of a temper tantrum. It happens. He's, he's young and he'll learn from it. Agreed, agreed. I mean, look, I think that uh, Bar- Charles Barkley spit on the fan. Uh, you know, he's been on multiple fans, you know, so I just think that like, uh, you know, I would say this, you know, this is the kind of off subject, right. But, uh, as far as this game, but like, sometimes I feel like fans get they too close, you know, they get too, you know, like, and there's no boundary. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you get all these NBA incidents, you know, where fans are like, really giving it to the players and the players, you know, they, they sometimes they take it over the line. And so like, if you notice what's going on, you see more and more fans getting kicked out of games because they're kind of going really over the board to get, like you said, to get the player to say something back, you know? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you had that, you had that incident. Uh, it was 2014 at Oklahoma state when Marcus smart was uh, at Oklahoma state uh, playing against Texas tech falls into a fan sitting courtside and, calls me n-word and then yeah, he shoves yeah. the fan and gets suspended and stuff yeah. like that happens so like you're talking the, that close vicinity yeah yeah and that's so i think that um you know if that's going to happen from time to time just period you know because some player is not going to take it he's just not going to take that abuse and just kind of like oh i'm not going to say anything you know um i really think that there should be a little bit more of a boundary you know in between player and fans um but you know like i said i don't condone anybody you know doing that to anybody or like anybody spitting on anybody 
you know, yeah, it, it's a, a bad move, disrespectful move, and, and he'll he'll get some sort of punishment from it as, as he should. But I, I think, yeah, um, yeah. uh, before the Arizona State game on Saturday, so after this all went down Thursday night, uh, it was uh, Ben Bullets of the LA Times who, who pointed this out, and, and then I thought about it and realized, and he's like, UCLA is entering the court, their, their tunnel, the, their locker room, and everything goes right by the student section. The same, the same way it does at Poly, the same way it does McHale and everything, where it's like, yeah, it's fun to to kind of welcome them in with some booze and stuff. But when when teams are coming on and off the floor after a win or after a loss, or whatever, and fans are pissed off, like, is that really the best idea? Maybe you want to bring <laughs> bring your own team in next year's student section and and have the other team come in on the other side. Maybe you lose the competitive advantage, but I mean, you have stuff like this that happens because things are set up that way. And or more security, or yeah, something like that. You know, what I'm saying like and, I just yeah, for security for sure is apparently a problem at Arizona State. Someone threw a, a T-shirt at Peyton Watson during the game at the in the last second when Peyton Watson was in the corner. Got hit by a T-shirt, and Mick Corona was really upset about that after the game. Yeah, no, like I said, uh, these errors, I mean, but this is home home courts in, in, in college. Like, they are passionate. The students are crazy. They're passionate for their teams. Uh, people forget that fan is short for fanatic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it is, you know. Uh, it, you know, like I said, this is the crazy just, situation is just a crazy situation. Well, I think he'll, I think, you know, he'll learn from it and then we'll move on from it in a couple of weeks. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll get past it. And it's ultimately we'll move on. There's, there's bigger, better things to talk about <laughs> or uh, bigger, worse things to talk about uh, with this Arizona state game. Uh, what an absolute cluster that was. Uh, <laughs> we're still, when we're recording this, we're still within 24 hours of it. The, the absolute, horrible god-awful marathon that it was arizona state wins 87 84 went to three overtimes uh ucla maybe had about three minutes of looking like a good team in that 55 minute (laughs) game uh the rest of the way they played like crap uh and still forced three overtimes because they were playing a bad team and now they are stuck with a really bad loss uh to a bad team and now, because of that, I mean, what you run the table, you're still not going to be a one seed if you have a loss like this on your on your resume. A two seed's going to be hard, like you said. They got to run the table and beat Arizona and Oregon, win those season series, or even them up. Maybe get a rematch against Arizona State and Vegas. But this sets you back. I mean, let alone how it looked on the court. This is just bad for your resume in terms of how it looked on the court. It looked awful. They couldn't move the ball. They, they couldn't do anything offensively. And uh, they, they were really just, just bad from, uh, from, from start to finish. Uh, they, they cut the 11-point gap, uh, just cut it away in the second half, took a, a lead for a little bit, and uh, they looked like, okay, finally, they got it out of their system. They're going to close this one out. And then they just went right back to bricking every shot and – letting Arizona state hit threes, the worst three point shooting, the, the worst field goal shooting and the worst free throw shooting team in the conference just completely tore them up somehow. I mean, tearing them up for, I mean, what was it? 62 points in regulation. That's, it didn't look that bad, but 62 points from this team, that's bad. Remember they scored 25 points 
in um yeah there is 29 points in all yeah yeah in oh a whole gosh. game yeah so I, when it was when it was a situation where it was i remember uh when their guy who was he their center and he was 40% from the free throw line and he was like hit six or seven free throws in a row in crucial moments when they were down two <laughs> just swish swish i said oh it's their game they hit a bacon three from the top. Oh, it, it, I, you know, these are just one of those games where it can make or break your season. I, I always feel like that because um, I, it can make or break your season because, like, these kind of games where you're, you're, you're superly high favored, you're just coming off a loss, um, you come into another person's, you know, these are the games where if you want to go far, sometimes you need to win, you know? Now, they still can do their thing. Like I said, UCLA has their whole whole everything in front of them. They can still be a two seed. I don't think that – I think the one's out of the question, unless somebody starts losing at the top. I don't think so, though. Um, they have to run the table. Like I said, they have to beat Arizona two out of three. They have to beat Oregon. They have to, you know what I'm saying? They have to beat – blow out Arizona State. Uh, and beat SC, they would have to beat SC two, three times because SC's a ranked team. Um, you know, I still think they have everything in front of them, but still, the game was the game plan was not as good, and the game was just even worse, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and like I was saying earlier, Mick Cronin after the game was saying, like, oh, our defense needs to be overhauled. The second half, their, their defense actually looked all right. I mean, they were for Arizona State was hit 33% of its field goals in the, in the second half. And then from halftime until the, the end of the second overtime, I think they were pretty much just shooting 33%. So there's not really much more you can ask for there. But in the first half, I mean, the first half, Arizona State shot 43% from the field and, and 40% on their threes. Um, not good, but they recovered from that. And, and they, they came back because – even if they weren't playing great offensively, they started shutting them down. And, and that was mm-hmm. good to see. But then the offense never really took it from that second gear to the third gear. And then end, eventually just reverted to the first gear because de- in the third overtime, they could not get anything to go really. And then that uh, Arizona state had, they were four or six in the field, two of three from deep in the third overtime. And that just ended you, you were out of gas, you exhausted all your energy Thursday. You come into this bit hungover, maybe overlooking them a little bit. You have to exert so much energy to to come back from down eleven. And by the time it gets to the fiftieth through fifty fifth minutes of this game, <laughs> you're, then your defense falls apart. But if you played, I don't know, thirty minutes of good defense, should be able to, to win these games. But the offense was just so atrocious. Johnny missed his last eight shots. You can't be doing that. And th- these are all overtime and double overtime and triple overtime shots. So it wasn't like it was the last eight shots in regulation or like 20 minutes to go in the game. These are all crucial shots. Two of them being in the, like one of them being the win the game, two of them being in the last, you know, uh, like minute of that time. So for me, uh, I thought the offense affected the defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, our best three-point shooter had two wide open, wide open threes in the corner that he missed. Crucial yeah, I, time. I mean, yeah, Jules Bernard, uh, he was one of six from three. 
David Singleton was one of five from three. Tiger uh, was one of four. Johnny was one of four. Hyman is one of three, so percentage-wise, that's not bad. He stepped into one that was pretty good, and he hit his free throws. And But, yeah. but really, you should rely on Johnny, Tiger, Bernard, and Singleton. Those are like 40% three-point shooters. And they gave mm-hmm. you, what, what was it? It was four, 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 four like eight, 30. Yeah, four for 19. But am, I, am I doing my math right? Yeah, four for 19. So they're shooting 25%. When they should be shooting forty, that you can't you can't live through that. And, and like I said, when you're missing there, I would tell you as a player, when players who are shooters, especially like Singleton is, miss wide open threes, and one of them was like a barely skint the rim. Uh, those are deflating shots. You know, like contested threes is one thing, right? But wide open threes from your best three point shooter, you're like. It's like, huh? Ugh. you know, you can just feel yeah. the energy dropping. And, and I felt there's a great quote by uh, Coach uh, Lombardi, uh, football. He says, fatigue make cowards of us all, right? And you could just tell they were gassed in the second overtime. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, when when Jaime just had a total brain fart and launched that pass over Miles' head <laughs> with, with a yeah, second and a yeah. half left. <laughs> that... And even Jaime going one on one against a guard and gets bumped, and then shoots a fadeaway. Tim, Jaime, you you back him down. He's a guard, you know. And they you double team, swing, swing, wide open shot. You live with it, but you don't. I just thought Nick Corona's offense was just not like it was a lot of one on one where we don't have a one on one team like that, you know. Like yeah. we don't have those kind of guys that just like break people down like tiger can do it from time to time but it's in the midst of running an offense like we're not you know duke where we just got four guys who are probably gonna be in the top 25 picks where but they all can just one-on-one you to death uh that's not our team we're, we're not built like that you know like we need we need to have a motion type of offense where everybody's touching it's a smooth kind of thing yeah, there, there was a lot of ISO in those overtimes, and, and ISO when you're tired is just not going to work. So that 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 was a little flawed. But yeah, going back to Mick Cronin, uh, pretty much I, I think the quote after the game was that you have to be able to win games when you can't score. Mm-hmm. Mm, I mean, I get the sentiment, but at the same time, you have to score to win the game. So this is a team that was averaging 94 points per game through its first four games. Since then, it's averaging about 73, which is you go from 94 is like a they were ranked like number one, number two, number three in the country. I mean, they were playing Villanova and a few cupcakes, but I mean, it's still impressive to, to hit 100 points like they did earlier in the year. This was a good offensive team. They They slowly fell off and then these past three games in regulation, they went 66, 66, 62. You cannot win games, especially against power five programs, when you're scoring 65, 63 points a game. The, the, yeah. That's not a recipe for success. Their defense, no. like we said, is playing moderately fine. Obviously, to be able to beat the best, the best, it needs to be good to great. But it, you should be able to beat teams when you play okay on defense when these teams are as bad as Arizona State. But for some reason, 
your offense totally fell off a cliff. And I think it's so hard with a month left in the regular season to completely revamp an entire offense, but they're going to need to do that. And and it's tough because they're they're playing Stanford Tuesday. So not that Stanford's great, but you got a quick turnaround. So you can't like implement a whole thing throughout a whole week of practice. And then you got USC on Saturday and you really want to be testing something out just kind of like a trial run against USC, who's, who's pretty good, obviously, and you're you're, you're cross town. Who had Arizona? They had Arizona beat. Like they yeah. played Arizona. They, you know, they played Arizona really well. They had them beat. So yeah, so you're in a situation where you're like, okay, we need to fix something. We need to overhaul this offense. But how and, and when and, and in what way and in what practices? That's going to be really hard for this team to to kind of plan all that out. Because, yeah, we saw in that Arizona game a week ago and and in that six-game winning streak, this team has a ceiling that is capable of, of being a Final Four team again, may, maybe even a national champion. But when you have as glaring issues as were on display these past two games in the Arizona games, then, I don't know, you could, you could make the Final Four with this team or you could lose in the round of 64. So who knows? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I would say this, you know, I think that uh, I think, you know, I, I think UCLA, like you said, like they have a high ceiling because they, we, they've they shown that they can beat anybody. But if their offense isn't clicking, well, first, like, let's go back to what you said before. Uh, when they score like a 95, 96, whatever, these first couple of games, that's not their team. They hit a lot of shots. The teams really wasn't that good. They wasn't playing good defense. They're not 100. They're not an 80 plus team. They're more like I said, a 70, 75, 80 type of team at the most. That's if Johnny's hitting and Jaime's hitting and Tiger's doing his thing. And you know, you know, Bernard's doing his thing. Like what the when they played Arizona the first time, that's the ceiling. You know, they can beat anybody kind of with that kind of balance of offense, balance of scoring. Um, but I just feel like when you when you're playing guys 50 minutes in a game. And you're playing guys a lot of one-on-one. People don't realize how hard it is to beat a beat a man one-on-one in any setting when teams are helping. You're not beating one-on-one. You're beating one-on-two. Because guess what? If you're beating the guy one-on-one, the help is coming in. You know, the help is coming. So you're right. You got to basically be one-on-two every play. And when you're dead tired, you're going to just start fade away jump, fade away jump. You know, that way to get out of the people. What, what do I NBA guys perfect the fadeaway? Because, you know, they don't want to go to the basket to get beat up. So they, <laughs> they, they protect the shot when they're tired because they know the fadeaway can still hit when they're tired. So with UCLA, I think the offense need to get revamped in a certain way, meaning more motion, you know, and more like not not as stagnant. And yeah, you want to you want to be able to score and lock people down, but you also want to be able to uh, put pressure on the defense. Yeah, and, and you you have the personnel on this team to be able to do that. Tiger Campbell's one of the best passers in the country. Uh, Jaime Hawkins is a, a very good passer for for a, a tweener kind of guy for a small forward, power forward, whatever he's playing for you. Cody Riley uh, has shown in the past that he's been one of the best passing bigs in the country. Uh, so but between all those guys and, and maybe, yeah, Johnny and Jules aren't the best passers and, and miles Johnson isn't as good out of the posts as Cody, but 
you have the bodies and you have the talent and the right guys to do something like that. So it'll be interesting to see if that's something that Mick Cronin can draw up and kind of implement to be the, the, the basis for this offense moving forward. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the Stanford game is <laughs> coming up pretty soon, but maybe by the time you're listening to this, it's already happened and maybe they got upset again, or maybe they recovered <laughs> who knows, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's pretty much where uh, going to be it for us this week. Uh, there's a couple notes for football. I mean, there's the East West shrine game with Kyle Phillips and, uh, and Quentin Lake. They both looked uh, pretty good throughout the week of practice and uh, the senior bowl. You had a Tito Agbonia, Greg Dulcich also looking good, made some big highlights in practice and uh, in the game too on Saturday, but we'll wait to talk about them maybe until um, maybe the, the pro day comes up in March or, or the combine next month. So um, quick shout out to those guys, but not too much to touch on uh, for them right now. So with that being said, uh, we're going to head out, uh, wrap up this exhausting rant of an episode <laughs> on uh, two, two bad losses and a spitting incident. So, <laughs> so Travis, thanks again for, uh, for joining me on the show. Where, where can people find you in your work? Pretty much they can find me on at uh, Travis W. Reed on Instagram, at Travis W. Reed, R-E-E-D, uh, not R-E-I-D. So uh, I've had some people kind of complain, like, is I can't find it. It's R-E-E-D, Travis W. R-E-E-D uh, on Instagram and Travis W. Reed on Facebook. Pretty much uh, I post, uh, you know, everything I have going on uh, with, you know, with this show you know, with any other endeavors that I do have uh, going on. Uh, so, yeah, just find me at Travis W. Reed on Instagram, Travis W. Reed on Facebook. Nice. Sounds good. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Conan, or you can head on over to allbruins.com, the Sports Illustrated site for UCLA sports that uh, I'm the managing editor of. Got all the stuff on uh, UCLA men's basketball, women's basketball, football, baseball, gymnastics, whatever it is. You can find that there and follow that on Twitter at SI underscore all Bruins or on Facebook, SI dot all Bruins. So thanks again for listening, like subscribe, share, send it around, get uh, all your UCLA people. You can involved on this. We appreciate you listening and uh, see you next week. See you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.